0: for people who've given up on church, but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks. Well, good morning. It is a joy to be with you all. Um, my husband, Bill, and I and our four kids attend the Davidson, Lake, uh, Davidson campus of Lake Forest Churches. And uh, we actually meet in Davidson Elementary, so this is all very familiar uh, to me. Uh, Let me pray for us, and we'll jump right in. Father God, thank you for the beauty of the sunshine this morning. Thank you for the chance to gather together. Thank you, God, that we can just pause for a little bit in a world that's busy and frantic and broken in so many ways that we can just pause and listen for you this morning, consider you this morning. Father, one of my favorite things about you is how you take your word and you apply it to our hearts individually. And so I ask for that this morning, that you would do that, Lord, that you would take your story of you walking on this earth and you interacting with people, and you would use the truth of your story to speak to our hearts individually. Father, help our hearts to be open to hearing your words. We pray all that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Like I said, I have four kiddos, and my youngest, Dylan, uh, is nine years old. And on Christmas Eve of this year, we were at Davidson Elementary School at our Christmas Eve service, and after the service, Dylan and my little nephew, Sam, poured outside with all the other kids to play on the school playground. And the moms were all talking, and and the dads were all hanging out. And all of a sudden, one of the kids ran into the gym and said, Sis, Sam fell. Okay, so here's what they were doing. They thought this would be a good idea because this is a nine-year-old boy brain, all right? We will stand on the monkey bar ladder, and we will jump to the farthest monkey bar we can reach. And every time we reach one, we will then jump to the farther monkey bar, Okay, so it finally reached the place where they pretty much needed to fly to reach the monkey bar that they were trying to reach. He touched it, slipped, fell, braced. By the time we got out there, his arm was like this. And the moms are choking back tears, and the dads are scooping him up and carrying him to the car. It's 4 o'clock on Christmas Eve sweet sweet little guy but God was already at work in Sam's body here's what happened as soon as he fell as soon as he fell God had put in Sam's body this ability to say oh my gosh that's enormous pain and shock went up into his body preventing him from actually feeling the fact that a bone was sticking out of his arm he was walking towards the car saying I think it might be broken Yeah, I think it's a really good possibility, buddy. But he couldn't feel it because God had put, you know, blockers in his body, adrenaline to block the pain. And then without Sam even knowing it was happening, platelets in his body were rushing to his arm to clot the blood. And then without Sam even knowing it was happening, these really big word things, polymorphal nuclear neutrophils, Boom flooded the area and they were eating up the bacteria that was already there and then before Sam even knew it was happening God had put in his body macrophages like little pac-man that came and ate the bacteria that's how I think of it and then finally after weeks God had already put in Sam's body the ability for his tissue to remodel and to heal see God created our bodies with built in without us even knowing its systems to heal itself because our God is a healer but it's not just in our bodies he did it in all of creation if you ever see an area of the earth where there's a massive forest fire and it's just it's just black it's just charred it's just ruined pretty soon you'll see this little green sprig come up. You'll see life come up. Because God created not only our bodies in in the people that he created, but his whole creation, his nature to heal, to heal. He built in healing. As a matter of fact, we were out a couple years ago in my family. We got to put our arms around a big sequoia tree. We actually couldn't get our arms around it. It took the whole family, right? I'm in the back there. Okay, blocked out by the giant tree. And a secret about these trees is that they will not replant their seeds that are in their pine cone unless there's a massive fire, and then they'll release the seeds for new life, for healing. God put in us, he put in his whole creation, healing because our God is a healer. Now, it's not always when I want it to be or or what I want it to be. Sometimes it leaves a scar when God heals. Sometimes it leaves a limp. And sometimes God, in his wisdom, will take us onto the final healing, onto heaven, before we think it should come. But his ultimate goal for you and for me as his followers, as people that consider him to lead our life, is wholeness. And healing, that's what he's always trying to move us towards because God is a healer. Israel, the people of God, this is one of my favorite things about, about God's story. He didn't take a people from, for himself from, say, Germany, right? Like gather some people in Germany and say, I'm going to make these my people, or Russia, or Asia, or America, or Africa. He, he took one guy and he said, Abraham. Abraham was kind of in a, like, no, going nowhere place in his life. He had no children. That was a disgrace. He was in the middle of his life. His dad was an idol maker. I mean, this is kind of a, a nobody sort of guy, according to the world. And God said, Abraham, if you will follow me, I see something in your heart. I know that you know that there's more than what is around you in this lost city that you're in. If you, and not only you, but Sarah, your wife, well, go where I tell you to go and do what I, and live how I tell you to live. I'll give you a son. And he did. And he had a son, and that son had a son, and that son had 12 sons, and those became God's people. We call them the Israelites, right? And and God said, if you will follow me, I'll be your God. I'll protect you. I'll heal you. I'll be your refuge, and you'll be my people. And when people in the world that are lost and confused and and wanting some kind of truth, when they see me protect you and heal you and watch out for you, they'll know that I'm the one true God. See, Israel, part of Israel's story, the Israelite story, was that they always believed that God was a healer. As a matter of fact, a part of Israel's culture became an understanding of God being the healer, the protector in wings of eagles. Look at this verse. It says, um, under his wings, you will find refuge. Under the wings of God. This is a reference to a a mother eagle. If, If the baby eagle is too small or if the baby eagle is wounded, wounded and needs healing and there's danger, the mother eagle will literally scoop up this baby and tuck the baby in her mighty, powerful wings, with giving that baby refuge as she flies to safety. Israel saw God this way, a place of, of refuge, of, of safety, of shelter from danger and hardship and suffering. They had a word for it. They called the wings of God the kanaf the kanaf. But that word had another meaning too. It meant the edge of a rabbi's prayer shawl. See, the rabbis, the teachers of the synagogue, would wear a prayer shawl over their clothing. And and the very edge of that prayer shawl, they called a kanaf. And it came to be this beautiful tradition in Israel as they looked forward to God sending the Messiah. They said, one day, when God sends the Messiah, the Savior, into the world, in the edge of his garment, in the edge of his prayer shawl, will be healing. Malachi wrote about it like this. But unto you that fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. The, the belief that if, if this, when the Messiah came that there would be healing in his wings, there would be healing as a part of his ministry. You've probably sung about it at Christmas time. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Israel had always believed that God was a healer. And part of it was because of their story. Miracles and healings had happened all throughout Israel's story, but not just randomly. God didn't just randomly send miracles and healing. He sent them always in clusters around the time that he was doing and showing something new about his kingdom. So just before God would say, here's something new about my kingdom, something more about who I am that I want you to see, He would send a cluster of miracles, of healings. And so part of what we need to know about Jesus was, yes, he was an incredible teacher, but he was also a healer. And the reason it mattered that Jesus healed was because it was a foretaste. It was a foreshadowing of who God is, that ultimately he will bring complete healing. God will bring complete healing. Jesus is a a foreshadowing of that. And this is part of his story. This is part of Jesus' story as he walked among us. It's from the book of Mark, chapter 5. It goes like this. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He fell on his face in the dirt, and he pleaded, my little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her, and she will be healed, and she will live. And so Jesus went with him. And a large crowd followed, and they were pressing in all around them as they went. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She'd spent all she had, and instead of getting better, she got worse. There's this massive crowd of people. There's this heightened energy because a little girl is dying, and they know that Jesus is the healer, and so the crowd moves with them. They want to see him heal this little girl, and it is packed, and it's loud, and there's bustling of voices wondering what's going to happen, and there's a woman there. And she has been bleeding for 12 years, likely a tumor growing in her body, and the hemorrhaging would not stop and it's a problem in her life for so many reasons physically because of the laws of god that were that were put there to keep people well if someone was bleeding they were unclean you weren't to touch them which is fine except if you're bleeding for 12 years she had not been touched for 12 years because the bed she laid in would be unclean, and the seat she sat in would be unclean. If someone sat in it after her, they would be unclean. If she touched someone, they would become unclean. She was utterly and completely alone for 12 years. And in that culture, there would have been a stigma attached. You know how people will say things, and they mean well, and they mean to be helpful, but it's just stupid, right, right? They say things like, if you had more faith, you might be well. Mm. God must be angry with you. There must be some unconfessed sin. You need to search yourself for it. For 12 years, she heard things like this. Maybe she was married. Most girls got married when they were 12, 13. Maybe she was married, and maybe she had lost that marriage by now. She was probably a mom. Most women were. She could not hold her children. She couldn't touch them. If she got near them, the stigma that was hers went to her children. In her love for them, she would have stayed away from her children. Every night she would have gone to bed praying, God, take it away. story goes on when she heard about Jesus she heard he wasn't just a great teacher he was a healer when she heard that Jesus was coming she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought if I can just touch his clothes I'll be healed What? Where did she get that idea? Because Israel, the people of God, believed that when the Messiah came, that on the edge of his prayer shawl would be healing. And she knew that. Did this woman suspect? Did she think, could this be the Messiah? She came up. She she would have had to touch people in the crowd, which was incredibly dangerous for her. But it was so bustling. It was so, so many people that she would have pulled up her shawl and would have just literally snuck up behind him. Because she's like, if I can just touch the edge of his prayer shawl, there'll be healing. She touched him. She had both faith faith and fear friends she had just a little bit of faith left in her it was it was probably almost gone how many nights had she prayed for healing how many doctors how many times it was probably almost gone but she had just enough to believe that this rabbi was not just a teacher he was a healer and she risked everything everything just to touch his prayer shawl, his kanaf, because there was healing of the Messiah. There was... But she was also afraid. All three of the gospel writers that write about this story say she came up behind him. She was afraid. She was full of fear. A little bit of faith and, and fear all mixed together, and she touched him. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. She felt it in her body. She'd been freed from suffering. Freed from suffering. Do you know the feeling when you've been really, really, really sick and, and your fever breaks in the night? And you wake up that next morning and you realize, oh, I'm healing. She immediately, when she touched his kanaf, when she touched his prayer cloth, her, her healing came immediately. She suddenly thought, oh my gosh, that's what normal feels like. That's what well feels like. She had forgotten what it felt like to be well. It had been so long, and she thought, I got my healing. It's done. But it wasn't done. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and he asked, Who touched my clothes? Who touched my prayer shawl?" You see the people crowding around you, the disciples said. Um, Jesus, look at all these people and you ask, Who touched my clothes? But Jesus kept looking around. Imagine he was looking into the eyes of everyone in the crowd because he knew he would see it in their eyes. He was looking. He just stopped. They were on the way to heal a little girl, this enormous crowd, and he just stops. And he's looking into the eyes. Where? Who was healed? She knows she has to say something. She came out. And she fell at his feet, trembling in fear. Trembling. She was trembling because she had broke the law and it was now to be exposed to all these people. She had broken the law. She had made Jesus, not just a person, not just some person, the great rabbi, the teacher, the healer. She had made Jesus unclean. She had touched Jesus and it says, she told him the whole truth. Jesus can most easily heal us when we tell him the whole truth. When we pour out our whole truth of our brokenness, right? All the yuck, all the, all the muck, all the history, all the, all the baggage, when we give him the whole truth, he can most easily heal us and touch us and begin to make us new and whole. So she does, she just, I imagine she just starts talking. I'm a, I'm a failure spiritually. I, I haven't been a mom. I haven't been able to love my husband. I, I have no money. I spent all my money and every single, I was mad and discouraged and mad at God. And, and I don't even deserve to be healed. She's on her face in the dirt. And she just waited. She's terrified. Everybody's staring at her, this enormous crowd. The, the crowd is full of judgment. They're full of disgust for her. They're full of impatience. Like, why are we even looking at this woman, this beggar that's been in our town forever? Everybody, why? what are we even doing? Can we go, please? Terrified. And then Jesus says, Daughter. How long had it had been since she'd heard those words? It, she forgot she was somebody's daughter at one point. Daughter, your faith has healed you. That tiny little bit of faith that was covered in anger and frustration and confusion and doubt. That tiny little bit of faith that was mixed in with fear. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed of your suffering. Jesus speaks over her. Why point her out to everybody? I mean, why not just look into her eyes and go, I know, you know, we know. Why, why point her out? Why stop the whole crowd of judgment and disgust and impatience and have them all stare at her while he says, daughter? I think it's because Jesus did not want just a physical healing for her. He wanted her to know the healer. Friends, we can sit in in church for years. I did for 18 years. And I knew about God. I knew about him. I I knew some stories. I believed in him. I did. I believed in God. But here was my life and here was God over here who I believed in. And then I met some people um, who knew him. They... They were. They talked to him and they read his word and then they tried to take that word and, and make their life fit it. It was different. See, I just knew about him and he was over here and he really wasn't affecting my life very much. They knew him and in this tiny little dorm room at this Bible study, I said quietly in my heart, I want to know you. I want to know the healer. Jesus didn't just want A healing for her physically he wanted her to know the heart of god wanted her to know the healer jesus looked at this tired lonely broken woman with the tiniest little bit of faith and he said that's the kind of woman i'd like to get to know that's the heart of god daughter when he said daughter he healed her spiritually he said you are a daughter of the king Your daughter of the king, he healed her spiritually. He healed her relationally because everybody's watching while the great rabbi Jesus says to her, she's one of us. He healed her relationally. He healed her emotionally because he said to her daughter, he said, God sees you. You are not one of a crowd. God sees you and he sees you and he sees you God sees you. He made you. He loves you. He poured a balm on her soul when he said, daughter. See, with Jesus, it's okay to not be okay. As a matter of fact, he specializes in people that are not okay. As a matter of fact, the people that thought they were really, really, really okay kind of had a hard time with Jesus. But our story began with Jairus. It's fascinating that God would put these two moments together. Jairus, right? He got there first. I mean, his daughter is dying after all. This is not a a, a small thing. This is an urgent thing. He got there first. He's a man. His name is Jairus. He's got money because he has servants. He's got status because he's the leader of the synagogue. He's really important. And then you've got this woman. Can I pause to say this? We don't even know her name. People had stopped asking her her name. The very just little bit that you can say to someone, I'd like to know you, is to ask, what's your name? Nobody knew her name anymore. It's just a woman. We don't know her name. She has no status. She has no money. She's considered unclean. We have in the world's eyes a somebody and a nobody. And God interrupts the somebody to heal the nobody. Because with Jesus, there are no nobodies. The world made that up. Not God. Not God. I'll end with another story about my little Sam. When Sam and Dylan were little guys, they were about three, and they were at the pool. And there's this, you know, the wading pool, and then there was the deep end. Now, this is like really deep in, like 25 feet deep in. And they're sitting on the edge of the pool like this. And they had their feet, and they're dangling them in the water of the deep end. Just like this, right? And they're thinking, and they're looking, and I'm watching them. And Sam looks up at me, and he says, Sis, can God touch in the deep end? Because he's looking at that deep, and he's like, that's the scariest thing I've ever seen. That is the scariest, most horrifying thought is that deep end right there. And I need to know in that deep end if God is strong enough to hold me up, will keep me safe, will be my refuge, will be my wings. I said, yes, Sam. God can touch in the deep end, buddy. He sure can. Friends, I don't know where your deep end is right now. I'd like to say to you that everybody has one. If you think you sit in here and everybody looks like they have it together and you're the only one that has a deep end, don't believe that lie. Everybody has a deep end. A grief or a loneliness, a relational break, a, a numbness covered over a wound, despair, worry, this burden of worry that you're carrying, everybody has a deep end. And I just want to say to you this morning that the rabbi Jesus, who's a teacher and a healer, Jesus came and walked among us that we might know that we know that we know that God can hold us in the deep end. That he wants to look at you this morning and and not just have healing for your deep end. He wants you to know the healer. He wants you to know him. He is your refuge. He's safe. He calls you daughter. He calls you son. He would say to you this morning, you're a child of God. You're not a nobody. Let me meet you in your deep end. Because I'm a healer. I'm going to give us a moment now just to to pray to God for a minute, just to talk to him. You might talk to him all the time. You might have never talked to him before. So don't, don't be intimidated. Just talk to him. Talk to him for a minute. We're going to bow our heads, and we're just going to talk to the Lord, talk to God about our deep end. Just take a minute, if you will and just say god here's the whole truth just talk to him for a minute about your whole whole truth Father, God, thank you that our deep end doesn't scare you away, that we don't have to hide it, Father, that you, honestly, you already know, but in saying and speaking our whole truth to you, you can begin the healing. So, Father, we give you our whole truth this morning. Father, we we maybe even in our hearts say, God, for the first time, I want to know you. I want to know the healer, like me, personally. Thank you that you're not turned away by our deep ends, by our messiness, but you move towards our messiness. Because we're your child, and that's what mommies and daddies do. Father, we thank you for these things, and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.